and welcome to Always Responding, a podcast for all first responders. I'm KB, a 19-year veteran with law enforcement, and here with me, my dear friend and co-host, 22-year law enforcement veteran, Sean. Hey, thanks, KB. Hey, if you're new to the podcast, welcome, and thank you for listening. If you're a returning listener, we're so happy and blessed you're here, and thank you again for your continued support. Always Responding pays tribute to first responders who pay the ultimate sacrifice and were killed in the line of duty. Unfortunately, those numbers keep rising and we're up to 137 law enforcement officers killed in the line of duty so far this year. We are fortunate and blessed to not have to read any names of law enforcement officers killed this week. Let's pray this trend keeps up for many episodes to come. Always Responding pays tribute to all first responders who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. We will now read the names of those brave firefighters who have lost their lives in the line of duty. Firefighter fatalities in the United States currently are set at 58. Here's the name of the latest to pay the ultimate sacrifice. William Bill Halstead, Sr., Chief. Sandy Hook Volunteer Fire and Rescue Company. On Friday, July 8, 2022, Chief William Bill Halstead Sr. responded to a motor vehicle accident and an automatic alarm. Upon his arrival at the residence, after the incident, Chief Halstead became ill. Despite the efforts of EMS responders, Chief Halstead passed away from an apparent heart attack. Chief Halstead Sr. was 73 years old. Always Responding will continue to pay tribute each and every episode to all the brave men and women who pay the ultimate sacrifice so that they are never forgotten. We'll also update the numbers of first responder suicides, and as of today, there have been 73 law enforcement officers, 11 firefighters, 5 correction officers, and 1 dispatcher who have committed suicide this year alone. These numbers are updated daily by Blue Help, honoring the service of law enforcement officers who died by suicide. Offering comfort and honor to the families who have lost an officer to suicide is necessary to maintain the credibility of the thin blue line. All officers, regardless of their method of death, deserve thanks. All families deserve our support. There's a quote by the co-founder of Blue Help, Karen Solomon. She said, quote, Suicide should be pursued as relentlessly as any other cop killer, together, publicly, and with unabating courage. Which brings us to our next guest. We are truly honored and very excited to welcome to Always Responding. He's the co-founder and chief operating officer of First Help, Steve Howe. Steve, welcome to Always Responding. Thank you for having me. Steve, please tell our listeners about yourself. We know you've done some really amazing things during your career in law enforcement. Uh, yes, sir. 27-year uh, veteran of law enforcement. I've worked in Florida my entire life. Uh, I did almost 20 years at Oakland County Sheriff's Office right outside of Destin. And then I did another five years over at um, Walton County and finished up over there. Just retired recently from over that way uh it's been a it's been a heck of a ride as i'm sure you can imagine i'm sure you guys have dealt with as well but um uh from there uh, you know there's uh getting me involved in in first help and blue help uh there was a shooting about 10 years ago that i wound up getting shot in the face and then wound up actually uh killing a suspect and in all that and and it really brought around the need for uh, for awareness, uh, for training, for honoring uh, individuals, and and basically taking care of our first responders and their families. So that's that's where First Help and Blue Help really kind of sprouted from. And then, Steve, so you are the co-founder and chief operating officer for for First Help. Could you explain what First Help is 
and what you do for first responders and their families. Sure. Uh, so I am um, pretty much, I am one of four uh, co-founders. Uh, Karen Solomon, uh, Jeff McGill is another co-founder, Karen's co-founder, and Joe Willis. So uh, Joe was not one of the originals, but he is definitely, he has made strides in in training and getting uh, first responders moving in in a direction so that hopefully we can alleviate some of these other stressors that occur. But basically, it started with Blue Help, and with Blue Help, we we really concentrated on uh, collecting information on officers that committed suicides, as well as taking care of those families of officers that committed suicide. So it started with that, and from there, it has grown to four or three other programs with an umbrella program. So we've got uh, Blue Help for law enforcement and corrections, Gold Help for our communications uh, officers, White Help for fire or EMTs and paramedics, and then Red Help is for the firefighters. All of those work underneath the umbrella of First Help, and together what we're trying to do is, is bring that awareness of mental health awareness and saying, hey, look, we want to keep you not just physically healthy, but mentally healthy. And for those that we've lost to suicide, we want to make sure that we recognize their families and say, hey, look, we've got dinner that incorporates counseling for you guys. We've got Camp April for the kids uh, so that they know they're not forgotten. We're here to let them know, hey, look, you still have somewhere to turn to. Um, Unfortunately, uh, in this day and age, we're seeing the tide turn. But a lot of times, if an officer or a first responder commits suicide, it literally is the end. Most of the time, the agencies drop everything. There's no line of duty uh, incentives at this point for the majority. So uh, literally, the families are left to themselves to pick up the pieces and move on. So that's that's kind of where we come into play. You know, and that kind of rolls right into my next question, because I know that your mission to first help is to reduce the mental health stigma through education, advocate for benefits for suffering, for those suffering from post-traumatic stress. And you're working with uh, legislators and uh, policymakers to change and to make change changes. How is that working with those? Are you are you seeing a lead way? Are you seeing like um, that gap coming a little bit so, closer? Yeah. So actually what we are seeing, we're seeing quite a few states. I believe Ohio is one we've been working with uh, closely about enacting uh, laws that or or at least uh, bring about the legislation that says, hey, look, uh, we need to take care of care of our officers who have post-traumatic stress. And to those officers we've lost to suicide, we need to take a long look at helping their family and providing those benefits as a line of duty benefit. We know through multiple states, through federal and state legislation, that if you have a heart attack on duty, that's covered 100% workers' comp. If you get injured in any other way, there's heart and lung bills all over the place that say, hey, look, regardless, you know, this, these are the things that we're going to cover. And what we don't see and what we've been advocating for is the fact that, look, you know, this is, you're talking about something that is easily, uh, you could go back through an officer's career, take a look at their career or a fighter fighter's career or communications officer career and go, look at all these traumatic incidents they've had. This is something that is, is very, uh, beneficial to the families, very beneficial to the children of lost first responders. And and we keep pushing forward with that legislative arm to try and and promote and do as much as we can to help that legislation move forward. Now, you guys have been doing this for a little while, Steve. Do you feel that there's going to be momentum? I mean, do you feel that other states and other agencies are going to pick up on this? 
there is momentum. There, there is momentum right now. We know uh, that there are plenty of other states that are starting to pick up the legislation from other other states and, and federal entities that are that are looking at pushing this forward. So we're definitely seeing that shift in agencies from the ground up. We're seeing the difference in the first responders that are attending any kind of uh, awareness training. We're seeing uh, those who are line supervisors and even organizational leaders are starting to recognize and say, hey, look, we've got a problem here. We've got to take care of that. So we're seeing it come from both ways. We're seeing it coming from the ground up from the actual officers themselves all the way from the legislation at the at the capitals and, and at Congress. So it's it is it's getting there. It's a slow push. But it's getting there. Yeah, we we've talked about it here on the on our show that because obviously you know we all three of us including including yourself you know been law enforcement for for many years and we believe that from the beginning stages of your career there should be some type of program implemented where it talks about how stress and trauma and the effects of that through a long career what it can have on um, a first responder whether it's fire police EMS corrections or whatever the case may be and right. you know from the very beginning teach these young officers and these young first responders, how it can affect you throughout your career. Would you agree? Oh yeah, no doubt. So, uh, you know, one of the things that we've, uh, we've really kind of pushed for, especially, um, and we can talk about the educate piece of this in just a minute, but one of the things we really push for is trying to get some of these courses at ground level, you know, get these into your academies, get these, get these families aware of what is, is going to transpire in a career. Because, uh, you know, even even through my teachings as a as an instructor, it's, you know, I'll tell these new recruits, man, it's the greatest show on earth. But it's like a show you have never seen in your life to include, you know, time away from family on the weekends, missed holidays, your days off when you got plans and then you're going to court or you're covering shift for being short. There's uh, there's so many little intricate pieces that are not truly associated. I mean, they're there with the profession and it's kind of understood, but they're never really uh, put forth. The families are not really made aware that the eight to five jobs get ready to go away and uh, your significant other's going to be working midnights for the next six months and you'll never see them. So there's, there's so many things that go into that and so many things that we need to do at a beginning level with the recruits, with individuals who are thinking about getting into law enforcement, making sure they understand a totality of the profession. You know, it's, it's, I think it's a, a duty that we all owe to them. Well, very similar to what we've discussed before prior on the show is even in the beginning with these new officers or our, our new first responders in these type of programs that help out, you know, what's your thoughts on, you know, we have to, from the law enforcement side, we're responsible for quarterly defensive tactics or firearms. What if we implemented something along the way as well? Something, you know, we established the program early on. What's your thoughts on maybe having something midway through your career that helped you as well? Absolutely. I am a, um, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword because some of, uh, you you know, I'm all about training. I'm all about putting the information in the hands of not only the officers or the first responders, but in their family's hands. I think that training needs to uh, start sooner than halfway through. I think you need to see uh, an annual type of training that comes that comes around that that makes these guys aware, gives them the tools necessary, the grounding techniques, the understanding of active 
communication and being able to express, you know, if they're having frustrations or they're having uh, stressors in their life. And if they don't want to talk to other people, there's there's different opportunities out there for them to put their thoughts to paper. You know, uh, we talk about journaling a lot. We talk about these different ways, alternate ways of, of stress relief besides what everybody always gets pushed. You always get told, hey, if you want to reduce stress, go work out and watch what you eat. Well, that's great, except there's more to it than that. And uh, for our officers who hit about that 15-year mark, 10 to 15-year mark, you know, that's where um, you guys are just as aware as I am. That's where the officers really start contemplating, look, is this, you know, I'm halfway there. Do I keep pushing? Do I stop? Do I, you know, they start questioning sometimes exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it. So those kinds of uh, trainings are would be immensely significant to the overall well-being of the of the first responder and even from halfway all the way to the end because even when you get to retirement there's stressors at the end when you retire so it's it's a matter of preparing them for their abilities while they're in the profession as well as after and when they're off duty that that makes a lot of sense steve we were doing some research for our upcoming interview and we saw on the first help website there are mission ready retreats for first responders can you talk a little bit about that and those Sure, absolutely. As a matter of fact, we did our very first mission ready retreat. Uh, these retreats are sponsored uh, by FirstNet uh, that was built by AT&T. And what we're allowed to do is we're allowed to bring in up to 15 officers, 15 first responders um, of any profession. So it could be communications. We've got corrections officers coming in next week. Basically, what we do is we take them off site for about six or seven days. Uh, we go to a secluded location. We let them have some bonding time in the beginning, and then we get into instructor, instructional techniques for for stress relief, for alternate stress relief. Uh, this time, I think we're bringing in some woodworking. The last time we did leather working, we bring in these alternate ways for them to be able to de-stress that they could do at home. We provide them our three-piece system of training. We do responder readiness with them. We also do a little bit of instructional, um, just a small couple of pieces on in instructing on sleep management, as well as uh, doing the journaling, the moral combat where, you know, hey, look, we get it. We don't like to talk to people. So put your thoughts somewhere, get them out of your head and put them on paper, you know, the, the the term there is is normally associated as a cage of the monkey brain, right? Because you've got so many things bouncing around in your head. If you'll put them on paper, the majority of those you can set aside and and prioritize and and learn how to deal with those stressors. Uh, they do PT every morning. We have fireside chats every night. So it's a full day. Usually starts at seven, ends about ten at night, uh, and we go through the whole gamut with them. By the end of the by their end of their time, they will have the tools necessary to help them push forward, help their families push forward and start dealing with some of those stressors as to why they were there in the first place. Now, Steve, how, how does someone that's interested in getting to one of these retreats, how do they get a hold of you or get a hold of the organization if they want to participate in one of these retreats? The easiest way to do it is to go to First Help. Uh, it's 1st.org uh, or 1sthelp.org. On the face page, on the very splash page, when you go there, you'll see where there's a uh, banner for Mission Ready Retreats. Just click on that and um, that will take you to a little bit better explanation of what's going on. And then you can actually apply straight from the website. Uh, of course, you're more than more than ha- uh, willing to 
if you're more than willing to, you can just contact us at contact at firsthelp.org and we can direct you in the right direction. Uh, not many people know that September 26th is National Law Enforcement Suicide Awareness Day. Does First Help have anything planned for this day? Uh, we sure do, as a matter of fact. And again, if you go on the um, on the website, I'm pulling it up right now as we're talking. We've got uh, not only our um, our walks up there, but during that weekend, what we're what we're doing is we are actually having our dinner, our annual dinner. So that's going to be for that whole weekend of um, Suicide Prevention Month. It starts on the 24th. We've got a walk. The folks are coming in. The families are coming in. We bring in um, just to vary in the number of families. I believe this year we're bringing in 150 families, 170 families. And what we're doing is we bring them in. Uh, we bring them into a, a place where they have a chance to meet other individuals, do some peer support through some, some counseling sessions for them and their and their children then what we do is we finish up with a big dinner just saying hey we see you we're here for you and um this is this is really brings in the camaraderie piece where we get everybody to um to basically understand look you're not alone you're you're you have got people that have your back and um it's it's something that we've been very proud of we've done it now for a number of years COVID kind of unfortunately took us out of the running for it for a year but other than that you know we do we do the dinners uh which are always on that weekend and then we also do the camp aprils so there are there are things that we like to do we want to do to honor those families and those officers. And this is just one of them. And, and you know, it's a very important, obviously, that it be for that entire weekend piece of, of suicide prevention. Hey, Steve, you mentioned the walks. Can you elaborate on those? Sure, absolutely. We've got quite a few walks coming up. Uh, I know we've got one down in Texas that's associated with the dinner. We've got uh, one in October. We've got one in August. Basically, what how these come about is really kind of cool. Is people actually will contact us and say, "Hey, look, we want to put on a walk. We want to help you uh, get the awareness out." And um, these volunteers will come in and they will set up our walks. We've got another one that we're working on that is actually going to be in uh, Missouri that we are doing at a um, college. So we're looking at, at pulling these things together. Uh, we couldn't do it without the support we get from the communities that these officers, these first responders served. And, it, and they are um, basically designed to kind of help up keep us moving and bring that awareness to look there's there is a stigma associated with officers who take their own lives and um, it's time that we start moving away from that stigma and start treating our officers as as heroes how they how they lived and not paying attention to how they passed away you know, we believe that 100% here on Always Responding. And um, if anybody's interested in any of these walks, um, you can contact uh, First Help at contactfirsthelp.org for yeah. registration for any of these walks coming up this year. And then um, you guys also have a podcast called First Help Beyond First Response. I just want to give them a plug. And uh, have you ever been a guest on any of those uh, episodes, Steve? I have. The very first ones when we were, <laughs> we were trying to get it off the ground, they were like, hey, Steve, get in there. So... <laughs> So, yes. So that is actually, uh, we have a board member that is a co-host and we have, um, a, another family member who is actually the other co-host. So they bring about some interesting conversations from people from all walks of life. 
So they talk to other officers, they talk to families, they talk to clinicians, they talk to uh, doctors, training individuals, all the, the whole gamut surrounding our first responder community and their families and saying, hey, look, you know, this is, uh, they have some pretty good conversations. I've, I've listened to almost every one of them now. I keep trying to catch up on them. And they will actually bring in these people and have very insightful conversations about the different effects of stress, about the different effects of what life is like as a first responder. What is it like on the family side? What is it like as a retired guy? You know, they they cover the whole gamut there and they do really well with that. We've been very proud of of what they've done with the podcast. So it's um, definitely something that I would recommend everybody listen to. Listen to that podcast. Some very uh, amazing uh, things being talked about. And uh, like I said, Steve has been on there a few times. So yes, be, sir. Sure to, be sure to listen to that. So, it, is a, it is a good one to listen to. That is for sure. They're, like I said, for... For folks that, uh, because uh, myself and Joe Willis were kind of helping them out in the beginning to do that, for folks that really didn't know how to do a podcast, man, they they picked up and ran with it. And I couldn't be uh, couldn't be more uh, more proud of Robin and and Christy uh, for taking that on and pushing that forward. And then also, over first help, you guys have a scholarship program as well, correct? That is correct. Yes, we do. Uh, that is uh, thankfully we. We've been able to sponsor with uh, Motorola Solutions Foundation for that one. And and what we're seeing is, uh, thankfully, we've been able to uh, provide officers, children, or first responder children, the opportunity to um, have that financial aid to push forward to go through and attend schooling and further their educations. So uh, we just had recipients uh, awarded, not that, uh, I think it was last week, week before last, but um this is just another opportunity for uh, First Help to be able to give back to the community of, of those that were lost, that lost loved ones to suicide. So, uh, again, on the website, there's um, the Blue Help Scholarship. You can go to Blue Help and, and pull that up under resources, or you could go to First Help and, and pull it up as well. But it lays out the entire application and what needs to be done as far as applying for a scholarship. It gives you deadlines to apply for the scholarship. Um, but we're very proud to be able to work with Motorola to be that committed to the families and say, hey, look, we want to help and provide that help for them to be able to have a have an opportunity to continue education. So um, it's it's a really good thing. Really great thing. What a great sponsor to have. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, hey, Steve, with all the programs and the upcoming suicide awareness walks, all the time you and everyone associated with First Help put into this organization, acknowledging the service and sacrifice and supporting the families of first responders who lost to suicide, needs to be applauded. We know you're not doing this for recognition, but First Help and everyone involved there, they do. They need to be recognized for their amazing work that they're doing. We here at Always Responding say thank you to everyone at First Help and keep up the great work. Thank you guys for that. That's awesome. Steve, as we come to an end of, of this episode, it's another edition of War Stories. It's a little edition at the end of every episode where we ask our guests to talk about a call or just a, some crazy incident they responded to while on the job. On today's edition of War Story, we are very excited to have our guest, retired 20-year law enforcement veteran, co-founder, and chief operating officer of First Help, Steve Hall, discuss one of his war stories. So, Steve, we are all yours, my friend. Well, thank you very much. And you, you, the stories are plenty. So picking out one that would be both good and uh, acceptable, I guess you would say, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, 
is is somewhat of a challenge. But I can tell you, I have been very fortunate to uh, to have a great career. Um, I was part of a marshal's task force that we were able to go out and apprehend some of the most uh, violent fugitives that uh, the United States has to offer. And um, in that, you know, uh, I think of so many different things and so many different calls uh, where where so many things have happened. But I guess I really honestly my best war story is just the camaraderie and the the entire career. The career was was something that I couldn't ask for anything more. I don't know that I would uh, I don't know I would have changed a thing throughout my 25 years from the time when I was a rookie and uh, drove my patrol car like 30 miles with the lights on and I didn't even know I had my lights on and I was confused why people were getting out of my way all the way to you know apprehending those people that deserve to be apprehended the the truly the truly bad bad people um, that are unfortunately in society but I, I will leave you I guess probably probably one of the most satisfying ones uh, that that was a good war story is while I was working with the Marshall Service and uh, we've got to go all the way back to about 2009 2008 somewhere in there and we wound up doing some warrant sweeps one of the things that as and if you guys are familiar I'm sure you guys have done some of the same work but in in doing your in doing your warrant services and doing those types of investigations you think outside the box. You don't think of what is necessarily normal in an investigation. So uh, we were doing a warrant sweep one time, and we were with uh, we had multiple guys from multiple agencies with us, and uh, we were knocking on the door. Um, I was I was telling the guys, hey, look, let's let's set up a perimeter, let's do all this good stuff. We're knocking on the door, and the girlfriend came to the door, and she's like, he's not in here, and you can't come in and look for him. I said, you sure we can't just come in and check everything, make sure it's all good? And uh, she was, without without question, not going to let us in the house. So uh, I came up with the idea, and one of my buddies, Adam McCoy, he uh, he is an officer who was with Pensacola Police Department, and unfortunately we lost him to suicide not that, not that long ago. But Adam was an awesome character. He was probably 6'6" all of 300 pounds, if not more, just huge. And I told Adam, I said, hey, see those bushes, go hide behind the bushes. So here's this this big old six foot six guy, 300 pounds, he's hiding behind bushes. I said, we're gonna leave. So we left and we left Adam in the bushes. <laughs> and, it was, and it wasn't five minutes later, a boy came out of the house and started running. <laughs> well, next thing we hear is we hear Adam on the radio chasing him down as we come up behind we could see adam actually chasing the guy uh we chasing probably six or eight blocks down through the neighborhoods and finally catching him. adam i think is actually the guy that caught him um (laughs) and and ran his ran his butt down uh right outside of a high school and we wound up capturing the guy and and you know all was well. Of course, our our supervisors were less than impressed with us. Right. Uh, but you know, you got that's, a job that's done. what supervisor. That's yeah. That's yeah. what they're there for, right? Yeah, exactly. So we caught the bad guy. We were under the marshal's purview, so it was all well and good. And uh, that story has has stuck with me for years and years. Well, Steve, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day and providing us all with this very important information on first help and how your organization can help and has helped so many first responders and their family who are dealing 
dealing with suicide. This has been such a taboo topic for so many years. We are so happy organizations like yours are finally getting the word out and removing the stigma around suicide for first responders. Please be safe and again, thank you and all those who work tirelessly alongside you at First Help for all you do. Thank you guys. Hey, I appreciate you uh, having us on. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the uh, the talk. It's always good to talk with uh, fellow professionals across the United States. And we're looking forward to, we just wrapped up the camp April. We're looking forward to the dinner. And if I could put out a, a shameless plug, we're always looking for folks who would like to support us through donations of, of any kind. So please feel free to reach out to us on the website at firsthelp.org. And you can go to donate. Keep this momentum going to help with those we leave behind, as well as the ones that we want to make sure have the necessary tools in their tool box to be able to move on. Absolutely. Steve, we appreciate you for spending time with us today and uh, you take care and enjoy your retirement, sir. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. All right. This is what Always Responding is all about, getting veterans together, providing our experience and knowledge to as many of our brother and sister first responders as we possibly can to pay tribute to all those who paid the ultimate sacrifice and ensure their names and stories are never forgotten. We also want to ensure the ones who are struggling, who feel like they are all alone and have no one to talk to, are not alone. You have a family who care about you and will always be here for you. There are programs out here for you, and all you need to do is reach out, and there will always be someone there to answer your call. We are wrapping up another edition of Always Responding. Thank you for spending some time with us today. We truly appreciate you. We're all in this together. We're all first responders. If you're in law enforcement, corrections, fire, EMS, or dispatcher, and would love to be on the show, please email us at alwaysresponding at gmail.com. We would love to get you on and interview you for one of our upcoming shows. But remember, everyone on the show will be asked to provide a war story for the episode's ending. So have one ready for us, no exceptions. We also have our website up and running. Please stop by and check it out, www.alwaysrespondingpodcast.com. Be sure to stop by the website, click on the Tribute tab, and there you can honor the recent fallen first responders that we read from this episode. There is also the Resource tab on the website. There you can find numerous resources available for all first responders and their families. There are so many organizations out there that are ready and willing to help us. All it takes is a phone call or an email. Again, they are on our website in the resource tab, www.alwaysrespondingpodcast.com. We can also be found on Facebook at KB Always Responding Andrew or Always Responding Podcast and on Instagram, hashtag Always Responding Podcast. Thanks again for spending some time with us today. And a huge thank you to our guest, retired 20-year law enforcement veteran, Steve Howe, co-founder and chief operating officer of First Help, honoring the service of first responders who died by suicide. Sean, as we come to the end of another episode, it's important to reflect on the things Steve spoke about and the importance of his organization, First Help, and the service they provide to first responders and their families. We both have had long careers as first responders, and we both have experienced our fair share of dynamic, stressful calls. We have lost friends to suicide and know how that can have a lasting effect on everyone close to those that commit suicide. It's so very important for an organization like First Help to be there for first responders and their families in their time of grief and be the support they so desperately need. Again, if you or someone you know needs any help or has questions or concerns about suicide, First Help is here for all first responders and their families. You can reach them by contact at firsthelp.org. Thank you all for joining us on another episode of Always Responding. We truly appreciate every one of you for your continued support. Together, we can break down the stigma that surrounds suicide in the first responder community. And together, along with organizations like First Help, we can work on breaking the gap between administrations and those of us who have boots on the ground to change policy and to change legislation so that when a first responder does commit suicide, his or her family will be taken care of. 
Like Karen Solomon, co-founder of Blue Help, said, and I quote, suicide should be pursued as relentlessly as any cop killer, together, publicly, and with unabating courage, end quote. We hope everyone has a long, safe, and healthy career. This is KB and Sean with Always Responding, saying thank you. And remember, as they would always say in that 80s cop show, let's all be safe out there.